chomping on popcorn yes we are having a popcorn night here at yes. you're eating popcorn i only eat popcorn at the movies <laughs> <laughs> forgive us if you hear chomp chomp but um we are over here enjoying ourselves i'm so fucking hungry <laughs> some people love it like it's like asmr they're like yeah Hope this puts you to sleep. Yeah. Here on Fear the Talking <laughs> Queers. You are watching Fear the Queers TV. <laughs> Mad! <laughs> Mad. <laughs> well, I'm eating popcorn because I just finished watching a scary movie. Ooh, me too. Which one did you watch? Well, lately I've been watching a lot of things, so I can't even remember what the last thing I was. But I watched uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism on Amazon Prime. Oh, yes. How did you enjoy that? I actually enjoyed it. I mean, it's very corny, right? It's very corny, Mama. I watched it myself. Mm. Mm. Well, the first half, because I couldn't finish it. I mean, it was fine. It was cute. But, like, I wasn't, like, compelled to, like, finish it. Mm. I like like the the nostalgia of the 80s was like okay but it wasn't like enough I don't think yeah I'm like I'm over the 80s okay let's bring it to the 90s because that 80s shit is just over done played out I know like we get it like side ponies and leg warmers like we've seen it so many times at this point now I actually like the use of that song in that movie. Yeah, cute. Yeah, it cute. was a cute movie. Smart. I I would recommend it for simple viewing. Don't sit down and start making a bowl of popcorn for it, but it might be right, worth right, a right, watch. Right. Or, you know, yeah. Okay, wait a Speaking minute. Speaking of simple watching. <laughs> yeah. We, we have now been able to watch the highly anticipated... Rob Zombie version of The Munsters. Down, 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 down. Oh, yeah. So it finally came out. This is something we've talked about in so many episodes because we're like, this is going to be a fucking shit show. And guess what? We were right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is like pretty painfully unfunny. Which is such a bummer because the movie, to be honest, looks really good. I think the movie visually looks like stunning. Okay, so I think that I've kind of figured Rob Zombie out. He is a visionary director, but he is not a writer. (laughs) He's not not a writer. This movie was a mess. It literally was just like a montage of scenes about Lily and Herman falling in love, how Herman came to life. But they... The actors, and I will say, they really committed to recreating the characters as they were in the original show. But I'm like, every time someone does the Munsters, they do it a little bit different. So I'm like, do it a little bit different. You know, I know you want to make them hillbillies. Just make them hillbillies. (laughs) I know. I could just tell, you know. But I mean, 
and it's it, it makes me question Rob's taste. Like, and I get it. Like, we get it. You love your wife. You love your wife. We, Sherry Moon. I would want them to be my parents. Absolutely. But my God, is she horribly miscast as Lily Munster because she has no comedic timing. And there's no, no comedy. No. Like, and the, that's what I said. Everything fell flat. I also think that's why they stayed so committed to the original, like, interpretation of the characters because that's all they had to go with because they wouldn't be able to improv as those characters. And I actually think there might be some yeah. moments of improv that are just completely horrific. and Painful. I think the only way to watch this movie this season or at any time of the year is to just put it on at a Halloween party while the music is blasting over it because it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's great in the background. It adds ambiance for sure. But I mean, as far as the quality of what what you're watching, as far as dialogue, the script, the acting, it's just like not there. I will say that um, I forget the actor who plays Herman Munster. I thought he was great. He, he was, was great. He was fantastic. I'm really glad that his part was bigger than Lily's because that was yeah. a justice. Miss Cassandra Peterson was in it. What did you think of her fabulous performance? I mean, she's fabulous always. And anything she does, she can do no wrong to me. Absolutely. So, I mean, and she looks yeah. amazing. She looks incredible. She looks so good still. I, I need more Elvira. Like, yeah. come on, while we still can. While she's still alive. Yes, like give us a movie, give us a sitcom, give us anything. anything. Yeah, and not hosting another fucking movie, bitch. I want to see a fucking production Elvira only. I don't want to see yes. you introducing shit, okay? I want Elvira, Mistress of the Dark Part 2. Give yes. it to us. Listen, sister, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. So, okay, you know who else looks fucking amazing is Kelly Rowland. She looks so oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She looks so good. And um Marlon Wayans, cute as ever. They were in a movie this holiday season on Netflix called The Curse of Ridge Hollow. Okay, tell us about that. <laughs> it's a family movie. But like, you know, it's one of those edgier ones where like the kids cuss and stuff. So like it's fun. Yeah, Kelly Rowland says <laughs> No! <laughs> she doesn't do it this time. This time they were like, okay, Kelly, you know what? You've come under a lot of scrutiny. We're not going to let you improv anything else oh. anymore. <laughs> Your days are over. Your days um, of improv are over. Yeah. So it was very cute. I would definitely recommend it if you have kids because it's also enjoyable for anybody over the age of 18 as well. Cute. What an adorable story. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, speaking of adorable, um, this brings us to our uh, next next uh, thing we've been watching, which is Interview with a Vampire. Oh, my I guess adorable is not the correct word, but um, I was just thinking Claudia, a little girl. Yes. Adorable. Right. And honestly, the actors they got to play Lily and... Stop. They're really cute. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, everybody in the show is so good. Like, I can't give enough praises to this so far. Like, four episodes in. The acting is top notch. Oh my god, the acting is fantastic. The new spin on it, like, adding this, like, layer of, you know, race in it and, you know, setting it at a different time. Yes, Louis being black in New Orleans in the 20s. Yes. Uh, yes, what a It setting. just adds such an incredible layer to it. Um, everybody is so good. And you know what? They fucking leaned so far into the queer 
coding <gasps> that was, you know, always inside those those stories and those books and those movies. They just leaned in and said, you know what? They're, They're gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Louis' storyline in this is full on that he unleashed the fact that he actually is gay, which has always been a thing for this character, but it really yeah. came out when he meets Lestat. And it's so sexy. Yeah, and they have some like steamy, sexy vampire bubble butt sex. Oh my god, bubble butt sex scenes. Hot. Yes. So if that's all you're into, tune in for that alone. <laughs> yes. And um, of course, Claudia is in it. Once again, played by Kirsten Does. <laughs> no, not this time. No, but she is played by a fabulous actress. I will say the character of Claudia is also quite different. Um, <laughs> yes, she is. She's about uh, 15 years older than she's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's fine, you know, because she has to still bring a level sure. of maturity, like we always say, for all these kid characters. Um, but I actually do really like what they did with her character because in this, like, gothic romance vampiric tale, then there's, like, this layer of camp because it's, like, then <laughs> she's, like, campy. her gay parents and, like, and like her being her, like, so, like, out. over the top. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah, she's so funny. She's great. Yeah. I think they they wrote her very well, and I'm excited. I've only seen one full episode with her so far, but I'm excited yes. to see what else she brings before Ugh. she uh, if see, and see if she meets the same fate that she meets in this other story. I'm sure she does. I can't wait. Um, speaking of vampires, we also watched over our hiatus, The Invitation. Oh well, you haven't finished it. <laughs> I watched half of it, but honestly, I will. F- Finish it for um, Thomas Doherty alone, because oh my god, that man is so beautiful. It's like criminal. He's hauntingly gorgeous, yeah. Like, he's kind of ghostly. Yeah, he's kind of scary looking, <laughs> but like in the hottest way, with that beautiful Cheshire cat-ass smile. Those, yeah. like, those like beautiful blue eyes deep blue sea. like literally <laughs> swim in yeah deep blue sea eyeballs his He's eyes like, are like ice blue yes and like if there's anybody that was ever made to play a vampire in a movie oh my it's god him. and this is his Mama. second time he, in, in the invitation and he also played it i think on the spinoff of the vampire diaries i don't know but it just seems like it's gonna be his lot in life to play every sexy vampire ever and that is a wet dream for me. And it's perfect casting because the movie itself has this layer of sexiness to it, right? It got a lot of bad reviews, but I will say (laughs) I watched the whole thing and I actually enjoyed it. It, It's definitely not something I would rate below a three. Like, it's definitely probably a solid three. It's Um, like mid. It's like a mid movie. it's mid. Will we ever do it on Fear the Talking Queers? Probably not, but... It's a good movie. I would watch. I would give it the time. It's worth the watch for sure. And at the end of the day, it's really about um, people of color and women, especially uh, women of color, coming together and taking down the white patriarchy. Damn right. All right. So those are the the things that we've been watching. If you want to follow along with us, go ahead and give those a watch. Send us a message. Let us know what you think of them. If it's completely different. If you hated the Curse of Bridge Hollow. Or if you loved the monsters, tell us why. We're curious. Yeah, I want to know if you differ in our opinions. 
Yeah, exactly. So we can block you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I am excited to come out around this time next year, I believe, is the beginning of the new Exorcist trilogy. Fuck me! Ooh, Fuck yeah, that me! begins filming soon. So David Gordon Green, who is the director who helmed the Halloween universe reboot. yes yeah the the blumhouse halloween universe is now taking on the exorcist and does that make me a little nervous i i don't know just seeing how these movies have been handled yeah but um <laughs> i don't know um, maybe the first one will be good since it is i think planning on probably being a trilogy right it's gonna be a or trilogy it's coming in, no it's a trilogy um, and <laughs> I saw this meme that's been going around where it says, um, let's see how David Gordon Green and his team fucked this one up. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean... I know it's not too promising for Halloween. This is a movie that we're doing today. Halloween Ends, the latest movie in the Halloween 2018 universe. Yes, um, a movie that is incredibly polarizing and has led to a lot of like online fighting and yes. people are taking this very personally. Like, very this personally. This movie obviously means so much to so many people and it this one has gone out of its way to uh, piss off at least half, if not more, of those people. Honestly, I thought politics were incredibly deci- divisive, but this has been the worst I've ever seen. This is worse than oh, any war in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this one really has caused some up upheaval. So I think it's gonna be really interesting to yes. kind of break down maybe why people feel the way they do, as well as sort of give our opinion on where we stand. Like if we stand on one end or the other or somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And when we chose this movie for our season five lineup, we were kind of like, eh, it's going to be Halloween ends. Like, it's probably just going to be another, you know, lackluster sequel. But then once it came out, now we're like nervous and excited. Like, we're excited, but then also very nervous (laughs) to discuss it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? Maybe our... Our opinions will be, uh, will differ from our audience and that's fine. But, um, whatever. That's, that's why we all have opinions. Yes. That's why we love the art of the cinema. So let's get into it, shall we? All right. Without further ado, the movie that we've all been waiting for. This is Halloween Ends. Allison is not equipped for this relationship and I will not let her get hurt. So stay away. You started this! You brought me in! You invited me! But you're the one to blame. If I can't have her, no one will. You want to help Allison let her live her life? She has me now. Halloween Ends, released in 2022. Written by... Paul Brad Logan, Chris Bernier, Danny McBride, and David Gordon Green. Shit, we're oh already God. off to a bad start. Four people came up with this? <laughs> Four people thought this was good. <laughs> Directed by David Gordon Green. Our movie begins in Haddonfield on Halloween night, 2019, one year after the events of the last film. We're introduced to 21-year-old Ori Cunningham, played by Rowan Campbell, who is babysitting a young boy named Jeremy. Jeremy's parents explain that he has a fear of Michael Myers. 
Later, Jeremy disappears and Corey panics when he hears him screaming upstairs. Corey follows the screams into the attic and he is suddenly locked inside. It is Jeremy pulling a prank on Corey as he teases him from the other side of the door. Corey begins to panic and tries to push the door open. Just as Jeremy's parents come home, Corey kicks the door open and accidentally knocks Jeremy over the staircase railing to his death. Corey is accused of intentionally killing Jeremy, but is cleared of manslaughter. Oh. Wow. What in the hell? <laughs> what are we watching? Wait, we said what this movie is Halloween is this? ends, right? Wait. Yeah, the, like I walk into the wrong spot. Yeah, that's definitely what it feels like. It feels like you just like walked into the wrong movie. <laughs> okay, well, I remember when I started watching it. And I started, well, I watched it first, and I remember I right. sent you the screenshot of the synopsis, and it's like, one year oh, after yeah. the events, a young boy is murdered by his babysitter, which brings up Lori's old skeletons. I was like, yeah, <laughs> we're what? Like, I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, this cannot said, be the plot of this movie. What is this synopsis? <laughs> so as it turns out as, it's right. <laughs> it turns out it's right. And as soon as the credits started with that blue slanted font, I was like, okay, we're going somewhere new because it reminded me exactly of Halloween 3's opening credits. So my initial right, thought it, was, are they just going to do something out of the blue to go with the original idea of the franchise? Like, I thought they were going to completely switch it on us. Yeah, I mean, and they kind of do. They they switch it in a way, but it, it this opening is so sort of confusing to us because it's the first time there's no mention of Michael. I mean, there is mention of Michael, but there's no sight of Michael or there's no Lori. It it seems so Mm. disconnected from this story that we are like on the edge of our seats in order to finish, you know? And so when this happened and I, I was so confused and I was like, where could this possibly be going? And, you know, we meet Corey and Corey is honestly, Seems like every kid, you know, 21-year-old boy, nothing, like, insanely weird about him. He doesn't come up to me as, like, strange no. by any means. He's sort of like a male Laurie Strode, which I thought yeah. was really ridiculous because they named him Corey. <laughs> Corey Strode. <laughs> Corey and Laurie. Yeah, Corey Strode. <laughs> they should have. They kind of gave him even, like, the color palette, you know. Yeah, yeah, but he also reminds me of... Okay, I have not seen this movie in forever, but I used to love it as a kid. It is very reminiscent, or at least his character to me, from what I recall, is very similar to the character from the movie Christine, which is another John Carpenter Mm. film, which I know was specifically referenced um, by David Gordon Green in this movie. Ah. He said that there's, there's a lot of references to other John Carpenter films in this. And I think Corey is definitely an homage, an homage. to the character of... It's an homage. Is, l- l- let me... Yeah, it's an homage. <laughs> uh, let me look up what that character's name is in Christine, but I know for a fact his last name is Cunningham in that movie. Oh, give me a break. It, I remember that because it was the first time I think that I had ever heard the word cunt <gasps> was somebody calls him Cuntingham, and I remember when I was a kid watching this, and it's it's never escaped me, like the first time ever hearing this word, and I was like, oh, oh. Uh, it was like yes, hunting The character's yeah. name is Ar- Arnie, Ernie. I can't believe I missed that Christine reference. That's totally it. He starts off with yeah. the glasses and ends up turning Arnie. into the bad boy. His name is Arnie. His name is Arnie. Yeah, see, I told you, Arnie Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, we were right. Yeah, so yeah, that's he's like 
definitely like a Christine homage. Yes. And you know what? I'm so stupid. It took me a while to catch on to what you were talking about because I thought you were saying pristine. <laughs> Pr- pristine. <laughs> that famous John Carpenter film, pristine. I was like, I think I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that being... Um, Especially because he kind of has the same character arc. He starts off as this nerdy yeah. teen in glasses, and then after he gets this dirt bike, <laughs> he ends up becoming yeah. like this bad boy who doesn't even need to wear glasses. Exactly. And this movie feels so '80s to me. Like it so, there's so many from the 80s moment it starts. Straight up moments. Yeah, from the moment it starts, that blue slanted font, like you said, yes. is very Halloween three, but it also just looks like very '80s font. Yeah. And the score, the way that they've changed up this score, like John mm-hmm. Carpenter really uh, went a completely different direction. Yeah, I, and I think that, I, I bet he loves this movie because this is kind of a seed of what his original idea for the franchise was. But also it's just sort of that alone, like you're saying, David Gordon Green saying this is an homage to so many different John Carpenter projects. I'm yeah. sure it's a love letter to him in a way. When you say that, um, you know, it's it's almost like the concept of his original films. What do you mean by that? Okay, well, one of our listeners, obviously uh, a friend on Instagram, pointed this out. Miss Marvin Hidalgo, as usual. Of course. This should have been the second, but I guess I understand they went to replicate the OG3. So I thought about this, right? Because this totally is feeding into a theory that I have about this entire franchise from beginning to end. Hilaire. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Hilaire. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell another. <laughs> um, I Okay, so obviously, we always have these movies come out in like threes, right? Almost always. Right, yeah. Um, so I always feel like they, we always start off strong, right? 1978, a cinematic masterpiece. Halloween 2 comes along, changes the storyline up a bit, ups the kills, changes tonally. Then we have Halloween 3, which doesn't even have Michael Myers in it. Okay, right. done. Then we have Halloween 4. Stayed pretty true to kind of the feel of the original, but obviously introduced it to the 80s, and it was a solid New start. New character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but five strong. Com- strong. Then... Five comes out and has four different writers like this movie does and um, just all these ideas it changes tonally it's not very good which leads us to Halloween 6 which just completely goes into a different direction once again (laughs) with the cult storyline then we have Halloween 2 or sorry Halloween H2O goes directly back to the first two it's a solid start right but it's for the scream generation and so it's a different tonally right from the original and then we get into resurrection which completely goes into a new direction <laughs> goes left then we have rob zombies halloween okay the original was very controversial because it was a remake but at the same time it was enjoyable for the average slasher fan right yeah. but we have halloween 2 come out from rob zombie and it's completely different tonally and it goes in a completely new direction which leads us to 2018 2018 starts off very strong. Everyone loves it. It's some people's favorite Halloween movie. And then we go to Halloween Kills. It changes tonally. It ups the kills. It introduces these weird things to the storyline, which brings us to Halloween Ends, which goes into a completely different direction. 
I think it almost is not just to replicate the idea, the concept of the original three films. I also feel like it's mirroring the trajectory of every universe of this franchise that's come before it. That is so bizarre. That's what's bizarre about that to me is the fact that <laughs> it's almost like if they were following that trajectory, then they are purposefully trying to make worse movies as they go along. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so weird for me to conceptualize that that is that is any sort of truth like I know. why would they purposely make our first movie is going to be really good and our second movie is going to be a piece of shit and our third one is going to make no sense connected to the rest of it like that seems like a bad plan but I mean it's... if that's the case then that's the case but it's just such a funny thing that that would be wanted to be replicated <laughs> also if it is the case I want to see them say that because I want them to make us aware that they're in on the joke. You know what I mean? Right. Like, don't pull a fast one on us. Like, I can see what you're doing. So tell me the truth. <laughs> yeah. Did you make I these mean, movies worse on purpose? Yeah, like, it, just to stay true to the originals, like, you purposely made these movies bad? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think, artistically, it's a fabulous choice. But <laughs> sure, sure. Like in, a, in a grand scheme of things, in the grand of way. scheme of things. But I don't know if people like Danny McBride, who did a wonderful job with the first film, but I don't know that that person is completely equipped to sort of tell the joke on this one. You know what I mean? Sure. I think it needs to be like John Carpenter himself, almost. That is like, hey, look what you did to my franchise. You know? Then it's like, okay, I appreciate that. I mean, I wonder how much John Carpenter was involved if he was just like, do you know what? I, I appreciate your rock and roll spirit. Just taking this wherever you want, you know, not really, you know, playing into what people are looking for, but you're doing your own thing. You're going to surprise them. Do you think that is like an attitude that he would probably have about it? Yeah. I he do. He likes money. I think John Carpenter likes money. He likes money, but also. He had no interest in ever bringing Michael Myers back. And so when they when he they were like, okay, John, come on, return to the Halloween franchise. He was like, okay, I'm going to make it about these haunted Halloween masks. <laughs> right. And he took a risk and it didn't pay off. It still really hasn't. But it's a good standalone film on its own. And honestly, as we get into it and as the story unfolds, I truly feel like if this movie were not connected to the Halloween franchise and was kind of a Christine-like story but swapping out the car for a serial killer that would have been probably one of the best slasher movies of the year so my question for this movie is are you bad because they tried to shove this good story into the Halloween franchise and had to adjust accordingly or is it bad because it it derailed the 2018 universe I mean yeah I mean I think it sort of depends on how you feel about what Halloween should be about? Should Halloween movies solely be about Michael Myers and Laurie Strode only? Or is there room for us to expand that universe and figure out what happens to to the town or the people around yeah. or what, what can affect or is it only supposed to be about Michael and Laurie? Absolutely. And I think from what I've gathered that is what the debate is. Is that you know, people are like, this movie, Michael was barely in it. This movie focused on a completely different character and blah, 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 blah. And we didn't get that satisfying epic ending mm-hmm. between 
you know, we got an ending, but it didn't feel like it was as important as it should have been. It kind of got derailed a bit. With yeah, this but then there are other people that sort of view it as like, hey, no, okay, this is the the thesis of this trilogy has always been about trauma. If we've seen the we've seen the Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis meme, it's about trauma, <laughs> and they really wanted to you know embrace that and show how not trauma how trauma can not only be like individual but it can spread. It can be a part of a community, a community's trauma, and those right. other people deserve to be highlighted just as much as Lori Strode <laughs> and to see how Michael Myers can affect everybody not just this one person yes she has been our heroine but like other people are capable of being uh, affected, affected by, by this. it yeah maybe yeah. they haven't come face to face with the boogeyman but they know he's there yeah. and that changes their life absolutely right so I know I feel like we've kind of jumped just into our like general thoughts about it, but well, we need to know we need to let people know where we stand yeah. as well because that of is going to set the tone for the rest of this movie as we get into more of the story because I do think it's right. actually a fabulous story and it is well shot. But I will say I finished it for the second time today and I said I don't not like it. I kind no. of like this movie. I do, and too. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's as bad as the people have made it out to be. I think I think I do agree with right. what you said that if this had if the expectation that we had about Halloween and the what the story that came before if we just kind of forget that for a second like it is possible to enjoy this and to see it as a strong entry to the franchise maybe not the strongest it has its problems Yes. But it's not a bad movie, I don't think. So now you kind of know where we stand. So as we get into the the finer details and comb through this movie, let us if you're not a fan, let us convince you to give it another shot, right? Right, exactly. Or maybe not. Maybe you're you we or just maybe stand on you, different sides. Yeah, yeah. Stay over there. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's move on then. Three years later, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, is still reeling from the aftermath of Michael Myers' 2018 killing spree, although Michael has not returned since. However, anytime a death occurs on Halloween night, Lori, played by Jamie Lee Curtis in her final appearance as Lori Strode, shows up to make sure that Michael has no involvement. Lori has moved on from her life of fear and is writing a memoir. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd say it like that. (laughs) Her memoir. Memoir. She has purchased a new house and is living with her granddaughter, Allison, played by Andy Matichak once again, and frequently visits with tarot reading Lindsay Wallace, played once again by Kyle Richards. Allison has since taken up a job as a nurse where she is hoping to obtain a promotion. She also dated a cop named Officer Mullaney, played by Jesse C. Boyd, who playfully pulls her over to flirt and inform her that her car's muffler is loose. Lori lives a mostly normal life, but she occasionally is reminded of her part in the Michael saga. One day at the grocery store, she runs into Frank Hawkins, played by Will Patton, and the two flirt. But on her way out of the store, she's confronted by a woman who blames her for putting her sister Sandra in danger, played once again by Diva Tyler, who we saw attacked in the previous film. Meanwhile, Corey's life has derailed since Jeremy died and has replaced Michael as Haddonfield's most hated. Corey is now working at an auto salvage shop owned by his stepfather, Ronald, played by Rick Moose. Ronald and Corey are close as they both are verbally abused by Corey's mother, Joan, played by Joanne Barron. 
Ronald gifts Corey a salvaged dirt bike. On his way home one day, Corey makes a stop at a gas station to get something to drink. He's taunted by a high school bully named Terry, played by Michael Barbieri, and his friends Billy, played by Martine. Okay. What last name? <laughs> Just Martine. There was Cher, there was Madonna, and there's Martine. <laughs> Stacy, played by Destiny Moan, and Margot, played by Joey Harris. Terry knocks Corey's drink out of his hand and pushes him to the ground, causing Corey to slice his hand on the broken glass. An observing Lori breaks up the fight and gives Corey a switchblade to slash Terry's car tire. She then takes Corey to the office of Dr. Mathis, played by Michael O'Leary, where Allison works. Dr. Mathis? <laughs> Allison shows romantic interest in Corey and invites him to attend a Halloween party at a bar where Lindsay bartends. Corey wears a scarecrow mask. He's introduced to Allison's promiscuous coworker Deb, played by Frankie Corona Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I imagine you are at work. This is definitely who I would play. No, <laughs> you played this character before in that short film where you're in the mirror. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Yes, I was once in a short film where I played quite the sassy little person. So, yeah, I was very Deb. Deb is actually played by Michelle Dawson. Corey and Allison dance the night away until he's confronted by Jeremy's mother, who accuses him of being a murderer. He leaves the party in a rage, breaking off things with Allison. As he walks home, he's once again confronted by Terry and the bullies on an overpass. Corey taunts Terry back as he saw him being abused by his father when they were getting his car fixed at the shop. Terry's enraged and pushes him over the overpass. Corey's then dragged into the sewers by an unseen figure. The next day, he wakes up in the sewers and is confronted by Michael Myers, played by (laughs) (laughs) Julie James. (laughs) Played by Julie James, Jew, Courtney... Cox Arquette. Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Played by James Jude Courtney, who has been living there for the past four years. After holding him by the throat, a weak Michael Myers lets Corey go after sensing the same darkness in Corey's eyes as Michael saw in his own. On the way out of the sewers, Corey is confronted by a homeless man who lives next to the underpass. The homeless man attacks Corey with a knife, claiming that he is Michael Myers. In a struggle, Corey stabs the man to death and flees the scene. Ooh, we're catching back up with the OG. Miss Lori Strode. Jamie Lee Curtis is great as this new Lori. You know, she's not haggard anymore. She got a haircut and now... She's good. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm like, good for you. She's getting over. I mean, she honestly probably would be like re-traumatized by what happened in 2018. But do you know what? I'm <laughs> glad that she thinks that Michael Myers disappearing, that's closure for her. <laughs> Kinda. Fake closure. I think her being this far ahead and being at peace is a little unrealistic because she spent the past <laughs> 40 years obsessing yes. over one night. So like... Now that her daughter is dead and, like, she, <laughs> she nearly descended into complete madness, she's she's okay. <laughs> I know. It's, it, it's, you would think that she would be, like... A little more devastated. Yeah, in the mental hospital, like, where she was in the beginning of Resurrection. But no, she's, no. she's turned into <laughs> Martha Stewart. Yeah, literally. I, okay, you know what's funny, though? She's burning that food, so I've never seen Martha do that. <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> I do like this idea that like Lori is incredibly guilty about the fact that her involvement in Michael 
caused the death of Allison's parents, both of them. Yeah. Way to go, Grandma. <laughs> Grandmother. <laughs> Grandmother. Yeah, ew, I hate that. <laughs> but she feels obligated to, like, take care of Allison and, like, baby her almost. And bake her pies and almost, like, make up for yeah. lost time and be this, like, motherly figure to her. Because she probably feels really guilty that she has no parents anymore. Okay, riddle me this. Do you think that Allison not having parents anymore at this point where, like, they're not even in it? Not one of them is in it. Do you think that that somehow emulates Halloween 4 where Jamie is yeah she's doesn't like have any parents and she has kind of this foster sister who cares after her because doesn't this house look like Jamie and Rachel's house in Halloween Four? It and does, it does look like that. It's red. It's like I don't know, farm I mean, Victorian. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, maybe it is. Maybe that's a direct reference to Halloween Four, the house. It felt like it to me, honestly. The stairs, like the stairs, kind of look similar, and like yeah, they're like remember that Haddonfield also looks like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they kind of mirror that that dynamic where she's, of course, her grandma, but also she's kind of like her foster parent at this point. Because yeah. She's, you know, her parents are dead. Yeah, but at this point now, we're four years old, like, later. I feel like, I, it feels to me like Andy Matichak literally grew up, like, into a 35-year-old woman, like, overnight. She seems so <laughs> mature in this movie compared to how she seemed in the other two. It's she her seems hair. still like a teenager. It's like her hair. <laughs> yeah. She she see she just seems more like she's aged, which she probably has. It's been a couple of years, and people obviously grow up. But I just noticed in this movie that she seems so much older. Yeah, she does feel a lot more mature. She even seems taller. <laughs> she had time to go to nursing school. Yeah, she seems yeah, taller. Passed, right? Doesn't she seem taller? Yeah, it's it's weird. She kind of has this. Rob Zombie Laurie Strode feel also like she kind of has this trajectory of like where she's like demented by it yeah like Aureli said I don't really like what they did with um, Allison's character but I actually kind of liked it I kind of uh, felt like obviously it was much different but at this point like I don't even know what to expect from this movie so I kind of liked her as sort of teeter-tottering into um, yeah into like being a bad girl yeah <laughs> because she's changed that you know and also yeah, the Laurie Strode this is dramatic that for her too yeah and we haven't gotten to see this Laurie Strode in between 1978 and 2018 and yeah. but it sounds like she also sort of followed this like bad girl trajectory she was an alcoholic she you know was fixated on one thing yeah besides her kids and so like she's kind of you know changed by her experience rebellion almost yeah, exactly. Which is an interesting way to take it. They could have just given her like, me and grandma are happy and we are making things work and whatever, which they are. But it's like she has she's like teetering on the edge of like insan not insanity, but she's just like so traumatized by it. She needs to act out now. Yeah. And, and that cop she was dating is atrocious. You know, maybe <laughs> this is how Allison's trauma has manifested in like low self-esteem kind of it kind of feels that way yeah and i think maybe that part is um even what it really hinting at like you would feel like she'd feel stronger and empowered yeah by her experience, she's not empowered she, by this yeah she's just sort of seen which i mean yeah. would you be empowered by the murder of all your friends <laughs> right. and family because You're you right. survived or would you feel like 
my life is a piece of shit. Like, why did this happen to me? I'm not really worth much. Yeah. But I think as us, the audience, we want to see her doing well. Right, of course. And so we don't want to think she has, But that is not life, goddammit. This is reality. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that, girl. (laughs) Okay, we have to talk about another returning character, Miss Lindsay Wallace. Okay. (laughs) Criminally underused in this film, I will say. Almost as if she was there because her reception was so good and in kills. And but they were like, we don't know what else to do with you. Probably is because first Kyle was probably like, um, I broke my nose last time doing this movie. I will not I'm not being chased again. I will not be confronting Michael Myers. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have some cute bar scenes where I get to wear fake bangs and a fake nose ring and uh, do tarot she's like and I'll give you a week because I think that's all she filmed for was a week oh well that makes sense but you know what I really thought that after her reception in Halloween kills when they decided hey wow like we have this whole new audience because of Kyle Richards I really thought that it would have been poetic if Michael was weakened after 2018. Well, Lori should right. be too. And I thought it would have been poetic to do some role reversal where Lindsay is now Lori's caregiver. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be you really know? interesting. Yeah, they, there were so many interesting ways they could have taken it. And yeah. instead, she's just sort of like a non factor. Yeah, non factor. <laughs> she's just a tarot reading bar hag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's just over here listening to the town gossip and. Like what are what is she contributing? Like she didn't she didn't need to be in the movie just to be in the movie. Like people wanted no. to see some action from her. Right. People were like ready for her to finally get her I don't know, closure with Michael. And instead yeah. she just ends up recreating that that real housewives of Beverly Hills meme. Yeah. Oh my god. Was that intentional? Yes. I that has to be. There is no way that that exact <laughs> shot would mirror <laughs> that incredibly famous meme of that woman yelling and then Kyle holding yeah. her back. Yes. It is the same exact shot. The same angle, everything. Almost the yes. same face, the hand placement. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's eerily familiar. This is about art imitating life, imitating art. <laughs> I mean, that is such an Easter egg for the gays, but like, that is yes, so but that's random. Clever. At the end of the day, we probably would have preferred her to do something with actual uh, more um, worth, more, with more substance for sure. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that I speak for everybody when I say we are so happy to have seen that Miss Sandra survived her attack. <laughs> oh my God. How? How did that she woman She literally had survive? a fluorescent light bulb shoved into <laughs> <Yes>. her throat. <laughs> she would not only have obviously bled out, but she also would, would have fucking been poisoned. <laughs> like fluorescent yeah. bulbs are poison. I mean, she looked fucking dead to me, but I think that this is them <laughs> listening to the audience because over here at Fearless Talking Queers, we praise Miss Sandra. She, now she's been on almost as many Halloween movies as Jamie Lee Curtis has. Okay, she was in, <laughs> <laughs> she was in Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, yes. and Halloween Ends. So we were all rooting for Miss Sandra. Remember, I said I was so sad to see her go, but <laughs> so they must have heard our love for her on the podcast. Did we get to? Yeah, we got to that scene where they like her and another character who's like, "How are you alive?" Which is um, Officer Frank. What's Frank. Which is like, you were all, your throat was also slashed. Do people survive that often? We have two neck traumas that have now survived. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, the human body is really incredible. I mean, that is true. That is true. But I mean, so now we have like Lori even getting like a flirtatious moment. Like she's, you know, she's really trying to move on with her life. Yeah. And old people have sex lives as well. 
Yes, don't forget that. Okay. I love how she's riding the wave of this flirtation, though. And then she's like, excuse me, you whack-ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Miss I know. Sandra's sister was going in on uh, Lori and really triggered some trauma for her. I know. And, I, and I'm thinking about it. It's like... Did she? Does she deserve this? Does Lori deserve the the hate from the community for bringing Michael? They keep on alluding to the fact that she poked the bear, or that she like yes. she taunted him, or she teased yes. him. The radio DJ later back. says that she was like a rude little girl who um, teased a sick man, and I'm like, excuse yeah. me, is the town like misinformed on the story, or are we are they really trying to convince us that Lori? Had anything to do with him returning? Because that's not true, right? I'm like, that wasn't me. That was my friend Annie. <laughs> I mean, like, bitch, I was just trying to protect myself. I didn't go after him and break him out of the mental hospital. I was mean to him after he killed my friends. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't... What are you talking about? I didn't provoke anybody. No, that's stupid. Victim blaming? Uh-uh. Yeah. Especially in a situation like this. Give me a break. But I, I mean, people need to have somebody to blame. I blame Michael, uh, not Michael, Tommy Doyle. <laughs> Tommy Doyle. I probably by Anthony Michael Hall. I blame him. Sure. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he was a fucking... He deserves the blame. Okay, we get more Corey. And I oh, honestly yeah. Well, feel... this is the Corey movie. This should be called Corey. This is the Corey movie, yeah. So let's get back to him because these other characters are just irrelevant at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Rowan Campbell, I've never seen this boy in my life. Neither had I. What an opportunity of a lifetime. I know. The only other, I guess, credit that he really has to his name is The Hardy Boys, which I guess is on the CW or something after oh, Riverdale comes on. Um, I think he's one of them, The Hardy Boys. But here, Rowan Campbell does a great job bringing this character to life. I thought his performance is great throughout as he enters the different phases in Corey's life. Yeah. From innocence to madness. So I think he did a great job, especially, I mean, considering... That most people, I think they knew were going to hate this character. But he went all for it. Yeah, I think that his character gets across the pain, the anger, but he doesn't come off, at least to me, as unlikable. I think that he's actually kind of like, like, there are times when I'm like, I am actively rooting for Corey at the beginning of his his journey. Yes. I'm like, oh, he's going to be our hero this movie. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. Yeah. And at first, and you know, you sort of feel bad for him. He's getting bullied by the town. He's sort of taken on the the mantle as the new boogeyman in town over Mm -hmm. a misunderstanding. And, you know, he He has a target on his back. Yeah, he has a target on his back. And I think that I feel I feel for him. I feel bad for him when he gets bullied by these, you know, asshole kids or when people look at him. I'm like, oh, I feel bad. And he's just, you know trying to make his way in life like that kid had no idea that's where his life would be with that that night yeah i feel for him and i'm actively rooting for him also to sort of end up with allison kind of personally at first i did yeah before the red flags yeah. came out and honestly there were moments where i was like he's kind of cute oh yeah he had like angles yeah he had angles for sure Corey, i in a way kind of feel like mirrors not just arnie cunningham which was a very good yes, point i'm glad you exactly. brought that up but also this character feels straight up out of the Rob Zombie universe. Like abusive parents, uh. dysfunctional household, his innocence descending into madness, and like sort of just the Michael Myers backstory that was put into Rob Zombie's universe. Yeah. I kind of feel like he has elements of that the bullying 
you know, yeah. the dysfunctional household, the rotten, you know, parents. So I don't know. I kind of felt that way. And then we see we see with Rob Zombies, Michael and Lori, them start as innocent and then go into like madness. So right. I was like, I kind of feel that way. And I do think that David Gordon Green does acknowledge that the Rob Zombie movies are, you know, I don't want to say canon, but they are to be considered when talking about the ones that, the that have come before. Like, yeah, he doesn't like yeah. ignore them. I've heard in several interviews where he brings them up. So I could definitely see that, like them incorporating that as an an homage to uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. The bad story he came up with. Yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think that makes sense. Yeah, like kind of pushed, pushed to madness, you know giving a little yes. more hu- humanity to the to an otherwise one dimensional character or two dimensional. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. So he and Allison are now an item introduced by Lori. Yeah. What do you think about Allison's reason? Do you think that she was attracted to Corey for who he was or because of what's happened to him? I don't know. There was something about Corey that Lori saw that she was like, you know what? I feel like this would be a good guy for my Allison. But I feel yeah. like Lori must know who he is, right? So I feel like yeah. maybe she thought they could bond over shared you know, trauma. Trauma. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm like, which is, I feel like that to me feels like Allison's motivation is that she's like desperately looking for somebody to, to sort of commiserate with or like share their trauma with each other because they, they do feel like, all eyes are on them at all, all the time. Yeah. So I think she needs somebody to really relate to in that sense. Yeah. I feel like she's cracking. And like she's her. She's cracking a little bit. She's yeah. And like you said, I think that maybe her mind is just playing tricks on her because she does have low self-esteem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. She has terrible taste in men. First boyfriend like cheated on her. Oh yeah. Her, this boyfriend becomes a murderer. Her, the cop is a disgusting pig. Like, yeah, she does not know how to pick him. Yeah. She's, she has a horrible taste in men. Uh, maybe she's a lesbian, honestly, but (laughs) I, I, okay. So I'm torn in this section because I appreciate a story. We know we love stories over here. for the chunk You can't just flip one over on us with some cheap ass, you know, scary movie. Um, I appreciate a story and some good character development, but after the atrocious, fast mess of Halloween kills. I'm not expecting to have them slow it all the way down and give us, you know, something so driven by its story and characters, but they actually do that here in a way. But honestly, there are just a lot of quick scenes. Like here's her, his mom yelling at him for 20 seconds. It's like, that was fast, you know? Yeah. It's like their attempt at like giving him a backstory and explain, you know, giving us a cast of characters that can be off, you know? for being despicable. This almost feels like a movie that never got to the point of needing some of the scenes deleted. They were just like, yeah, yeah. it's the runtime, so let's just go with all of it, you know? Because it's right, like, right, 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 right. Uh, like, here's Lori, here's her house, here's her at the store, here's Allison getting pulled over, here's Corey, here's some bullies, here's Corey getting abused by his mom, here's a dirt bike, here's Terry, here's Terry yeah. getting hit by his dad, you know? Like, yeah. whoa, slow it down, but... Like, I, I appreciate that they tried to do some character development, but it's also, like, let us soak in these characters and this storyline because we got to have some time to wrap our, wrap our minds around what is going on here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does happen all kind of very fast. Yeah, but then I started getting confused during these scenes just because of Corey's descent into madness. I, I start, Well, no, I started getting confused. I'm like, wait a minute. Is he a villain or is he nice? I literally couldn't tell at some points. 
Yeah, I, I, I guess you kind of have to, he kind of has to be teetering on, like, yeah. that level. Like, it's like, is there a darkness within him dwelling? It's almost like his court case, I'm sure. Like, did he do it intentionally yeah. or was it an accident? So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's there's, his performance or, like, the way here. the movie's, like, scored. It's almost like there are times when he's like, he seems to me like kind of innocent, but the score sounds like really sinister. And I'm like, huh? I'm like, am I supposed to be feeling like he's a bad person at this moment? I know. It is kind of confusing in that way. You know, watching this, these scenes with him and Allison too, you really get a good sense of how the cinematography worked in this movie. It feels very brown and it feels very... Yes. Um, you know, kind of sun drenched, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Like <laughs> it feels burnt and grainy and vintage. Um, yeah. It feels very eighties. I, I really liked what they did with it. Cause it looks like it could be a direct sequel to the 1978 original. Like this looks like it could be the 1981 sequel to Halloween one. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. Like and, something about like the junkyard, the motorcycle yes. riding is so eighties. It feels like a John Carpenter film. Yes, the use mm-hmm. of like diners, like the like that diner that they're in, where yes. they have the confrontation with her ex boyfriend cop. I was like, this look, this whole setting looks straight out of an eighties film, like yeah. down to like the the baskets of fries and like the yeah you yeah know, you know what I'm saying it gritty just looks grainy so, vintage on yeah. autumnal yeah we have yeah. kind of this Americana iconography so yeah it yeah. feels. It feels the writing, the writing vintage. on the back of the motorcycle. Like if I felt like I was watching Footloose or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when she yes. gets on the motorcycle, and they're ha- they're like flirting, and um, but she's like, I don't care about my car. Like she's very Allison is very forward in this movie. She has no yeah. fuss to give at all. Yeah, she doesn't have time for it. You're damaged. I'm damaged. Let's be fucking be damaged Let's be together. together. To be damaged goods, and yeah, she she goes for what she wants, which is great. But um, yeah, there's like that scene where she gets on the back of the motorcycle and it I, I literally like take my breath away could have started. You want to like see her throw her hands back and her hair blow. Yeah. Purple rain. Purple <laughs> yeah, I, was rain. Like, I was like, am I watching Grease 2? Like, ah. well, uh, okay. Cool yeah. <laughs> I need a hero. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it just feels so 80s. I do like the idea of this romance being in the story, but this is where it comes to a point where it's like, this could have been so much more if it weren't the Halloween franchise. Because yes. we have to remember, after this end section that Jake just read, we're now almost halfway through. This is the halfway point of the movie. Yeah. So it's like, when, when are we going to get to like the killings? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like an hour in, and like when, we're just getting this like kind of dark and, love story. And after Halloween Kills, that's such a jarring transition. Yes, because Halloween Kills was so oversaturated with murder and kills and, and fight out. scenes and, you know, <laughs> just insane amounts of murder. Because if you take... Down here... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. If you take the franchise out of it, listen to yeah. how the story would sound if it were pitched as a non-Halloween movie, Okay. A serial killer that terrorized a town several years ago left one survivor before disappearing, and now his sole survivor's granddaughter falls in love with a boy who ends up crossing paths with the killer. The connection unleashes a growing evil in the boy, causing him to enact a new copycat killing spree under the guidance of the original killer. 
that sounds like a solid that ass sounds story. Great. It just, I don't know if it should have been connected to the Halloween franchise. No, it would have been much better without it. <laughs> because we were anticipating something completely different, just going by the last two films and the and the way the direction that story was heading. Like, yes. like where where is the big revenge because of Karen's death, and where is the daughter getting revenge for her mother? Like, there wasn't there yes, were things that like, weren't addressed. Why yes. wasn't the you know Michael Myers is always trying to walk home. Or get home, and he's like ends up in the window at the, the end. window. It's like, what does the window mean? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> so well, and his house nothing. is demolished, so maybe the house did have some kind of connection to him. Maybe that's why he's weak. Yeah, well, maybe that's why he's in the sewer. Because why is he just sitting in the sewer? What's happening? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That felt like a Halloween Five reference, like the sewers that lead to the old man's cab. You know, c- cabin. Yeah. Um, but like, okay. That's the answer to my original question, which was, did this movie ruin the franchise or did the franchise ruin the movie? To me, the franchise ruined the movie. I think that we had a a story with a lot of potential here, but having to squeeze it into something already so established compromises the storytelling of something that started off really good, you know? Yeah. So just not not even really good, just like really different. Like this is a different, Mm -hmm. we had a different story going on and then we just have, then we have this one and we're like, oh, Oh. what about all the rest that was building up to this? We also have this theme that's introduced in this first part where uh, like we see Terry, um, the bully physically and verbally abused by his dad. We see that Corey is also mistreated by his mother. And so Corey brings this up where he says like to Terry before he gets pushed over the overpass by the sewers. He says, oh, you know, like your dad hits you, so you hit others. It's contagious, right? And then Lori says something to Corey later on about like an infection. An you infection. Know, like, oh, she, and Allison says on the roof. Like She's infection. like, like infection. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about evil being contagious and being in yeah. this like an infection. So I'm like, is this a plot point to mention this in the era of COVID? I mean, okay, well, okay, well, here's that. When this movie was first announced, it was originally supposed to reference like an element COVID. of COVID in it. Oh, yes. yeah. They're like, it's going to be in a in a in a COVID world, blah blah blah. Like they initially intended to address the COVID nineteen crisis, which doesn't seem to have happened. But I wonder if that's what if what you just said. If, like, re- referring to Michael as an infection that has affected the entire town, not just the people that were directly involved. I wonder if that's what they meant. Oh, maybe this is a cryptic reflection of our lives after COVID. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a much more, um, you know, sad society. We're, we yeah. have, we're darker. We are... Uh, the darkness in society that was unleashed by, you know, growing tensions over a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's poetic. A pandemic being equated to a killing spree in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it's great. Right, why not? It's great. Yeah. Um so okay. I'm wondering if there is some sort of supernatural element here and that Michael right. is connected to the house and now that the house is demolished, he's weak, or is he weak from the battles <laughs> that he did in 2018? What makes it hard is that we don't again because we don't know if he's supernatural or not or not are we supposed to like yeah accept the the real logic of aging 
Yes, because in 2018, we applauded the movie for being like, I'm so glad that they made Michael Myers a man again. That's scarier than him yeah. being some unkillable machine like Jason Voorhees. Like, it's nice to know that he's a man again. And then in Halloween Kills, you're like, with every kill, he gets stronger. He gets and then stronger. It, it did seem and like I'm he was yeah. undefeated. And then you're like, oh, well, there goes that. But I'm like... So is that, are we supposed to be taking that metaphorically that with every kill he gets stronger? Or are we supposed to be taking this literally? I don't know. I don't know. Because it, it's confusing because in the scene, have we got there where he kills the cop yet? I don't even think we've gotten no, there yet. But he gets a little stronger. Now he's able to leave the sewer. He comes out like, girl, I'm out here in these streets. Right. Well, I mean, do, in the, the first time we see Michael, he's in that sewer and he's like, cowering in the corner stumbling about stumbling about and then by the end he's like fully regenerated having a full on fight with Laurie Strode and so it's like are we <laughs> I'm confused is this is he a supernatural creature or is he a normal man who abides by the laws of age and can die it almost <laughs> feels like um like like split or something where it's like your mind is so like fractured like your sickness is so prevalent that you can believe that you're a superhero or you can you know believe or you have super strength just because your mind <laughs> believes uh, it. yeah like okay i would buy that but i would just wish that was slightly clearer <laughs> yeah me too because he's he goes down pretty quickly here well i yeah i I no longer know the rules of michael myers i don't think anyone ever has like who yeah. is this man who what and why is he killable Do is we... he not killable is he a trickster who always gets away by putting somebody else's body where he is or like yeah what is he a sp- sprite <laughs> yes. a sprite a halloween fella. sprite yeah so a... to play tricks yeah from a celtic <laughs> Fucking, yeah, you know, curse. Like, what is going on? Like, we don't know anything about this person. Yeah, there's like every why. every movie. The rules seem different. He's a man, and then he's an unkillable killing machine, and now he's an old man who isn't as capable, but gets stronger. Yeah. I don't know. It's so confusing. But at the end of the day, honestly, it's like I think that's why people are really hating this movie because our villain, our unstoppable villain, was compromised. And he was. It just maybe he had COVID. <laughs> That's it. We, we solved. We That's solved a the mystery, everybody. <laughs> Nobody knew that Michael actually had COVID, which is why he was so weak in this movie. <laughs> that is the, the element that COVID is playing here. Yeah, he should have been coughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is some heavier breathing, and it sounds a little mucusy. Okay, so I'm I mean, gonna go okay, with that. maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the truth, because this Michael he gets his ass handed to him a lot. Yeah, but also he's really strong still. Yeah, but also like really strong. <laughs> and so was his knife. Yeah, just just crazy. I don't, anyway, anyway, so we get Michael and um, <laughs> Corey having what might be Going some sort of face. psychic connection. Yeah, when they go face to face. Okay, now let me hear me out. I think this is a Halloween 4 reference, okay? Because he grabs him by the throat and they sort of lock eyes. And there's this really great shot of Michael looking at him, but all you're seeing is Corey's eye. It was a great, fantastic shot. 
but they have this like flash of scenes play before his eyes like the jeremy murder like did he really mean to kill him or what is this is this michael looking into his soul is this bringing up trauma for Corey? you know what is going on here but it sort of reminds me of the idea of halloween 4 the ending where Jamie and her uncle Michael Myers grab hands and they say that there's sort of this transference of whatever possessed Michael to do this transfer to Jamie because then she attacks her foster mom at the end of the movie and they were going right. to re- return to the series with Jamie being the new cold-blooded killer. So to me this sort of felt like that reference like the transference of one evil into another person. Okay. All right, I, I can accept that. I mean, if yeah, if it's in a uh, reference to Halloween 4, I'd actually appreciate appreciate it even more. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what's going on here. I think it's more no. so just unlocking the darkness. Yeah, because like we get that. Yeah, we get that montage. It's like this is a significant moment. Him looking at Michael. Yeah, it feels epic. Yeah, so maybe it's just a metaphorical moment where they he realized he saw something. They saw something in each other. Yes, and then he comes stumbling out of that sewer and stabs the homeless man. Yeah, and well, that guy that guy fucking <sighs> sucked, so I would stab him too. Yeah, he fucking sucked. No, yeah, he he's like, I'm Michael Myers. And yeah. honestly, I thought what would have been absolutely clever, because Nick Castle, who is, you know, greatly known for playing Michael Myers in 1978 and 2018, um, you know, as a stuntman, I guess, um, he has a cameo in here where he's at the party and he rips open his jacket and he's like, see anything you like, oh. <laughs> you know, the Linda reference from Halloween yeah. 78. And um, I thought this should have been his cameo because he is Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, like, he could have been like, I'm Michael Myers. Like, yeah, you're that's so funny. You're right. You are. Man, opportunity missed. That was an opportunity missed. I was like, what a dumb fucking cameo. This was right in front of them. This was right under their noses. Come on. Wow. So one of the things that the homeless man brings up, though, which I also have a question is, why does Michael let Corey live? Is it because of this little psychic connection they had? Like, what person has ever escaped Michael Myers? Is it like a rule? Like, killers, supernatural killers can't kill other supernatural killers? That must be it. That must be. It, it has to be it. I, yeah, I don't understand that. Or is yeah, he too I, weak at this point? I guess. I don't know. It's so bizarre. I mean, not many people escape Michael. No, yeah, no one. And he's he does it so casually. Except Lori and Corey. Oh, and Lindsay. If your if your name ends with Ori, you're gonna survive. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna survive. That's the key. That's the key. He's weak against them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, here's one scene that feels a little out of place to me. And, I mean, I'm sorry, this was in the middle. I should have brought it up in the middle, but... Allison and Corey at this party where we are introduced to this scarecrow mask. Um, This sort of (laughs) feels out of place. This feels like the Rob Zombie movie of Halloween 2 when they're dancing as the Frankenfurter or the Rocky Horror Picture Show characters. I will say that one thing that I don't love about this movie is that I don't feel like it's very uh, festive. It does not feel like Halloween. Halloween is literally 20 minutes. Is this the first movie of any of them where it hasn't taken place only on Halloween day? Um, no. But... What other one? He doesn't kill a lot of people without being on Halloween. 
Well, uh, he kills Lori in Halloween Resurrection, not on Halloween. Okay, he kills her right. before, you know, so it's like, okay, sure. Sure. He escapes the mental hospital the night before. Like, you I was know. Like, I can't believe we started four days before Halloween. Like, this is already so weird. And then once we get to, like, the, like, the Halloween party doesn't feel very Halloween-y. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't just feel much of the costumes. holiday spirit, like, in this movie. Not that no, there's It doesn't feel been... like the past couple of movies uh, yeah. in the Halloween tone. It's kind yeah. of outside of it. And I don't yeah. know what these sequels are doing. I don't know why they're taking the Halloween out of a Halloween movie. Hocus Pocus 2. It should have <laughs> just been called November or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's why we're doing our movie. <laughs> I know. Exactly. They, they want to do it four days before. Okay. Well, we're going to release our episode four days after. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> it literally is four days after Halloween. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. All right. Should we keep going? <laughs> yeah. Corey shows up at Lori's house to find Allison. Lori is upstairs writing when she senses a presence. She looks out the window and sees Corey staring up at her from behind a bush. She's reminded of how Michael made her feel all those years ago. She and Allison make their way outside where Corey apologizes to Allison and asks her to go on a walk with him. They leave, but Lori becomes uneasy. He takes Allison to the now-abandoned house where Jeremy died and confesses his story. Allison grows closer to him over their tragic lives. <laughs> oh my god. They are so emo. They're emo. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lori introduces herself to Joan. However, Joan is not receptive to Lori due to her history with Michael. She says that when Lori's boogeyman disappeared, the town turned on her son, making him the new boogeyman. Um, Miss Joan is a one note here throughout this entire movie. She's just screaming through the whole thing. I know. I wish she was Joan from Hereditary. That's what I want. <laughs> That's my Joan. Afterward, Corey and Allison go on a dinner date, but Allison's ex, Officer Mullaney, shows up and harasses them. Corey stands up for Allison and scares Mullaney away. After dropping Allison off, Corey realizes Mullaney is following him. He leads Mulaney to the underpass, where he discovers the homeless man's body. Corey attacks Mulaney and lures him into the sewer, where he urges Michael to kill him, which seemingly increases Michael's strength. Corey returns to Allison's house, and the two get sensual. As Lori comes home and watches them run upstairs, a shot reminiscent to the original movie. <laughs> <laughs> Little does she know, she is being watched by Michael. Lori goes to Lindsay's bar, and shares her concern over Corey. Lindsay introduces her to one of the patrons, Jeremy's dad. He explains to Lori that he believes Corey did not intentionally murder Jeremy. However, he came across Corey walking down the street the other day, and when he approached him, he noticed his eyes looked different, and that he seems to be headed down a dark path, something that's repeated later in the movie. Allison finds out she was passed over for a promotion in favor of Deb, who is having an affair with the doctor. <laughs> <A> Deb? <laughs> A debutante of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Mathis takes Deb to his house for a steamy evening to congratulate her on the promotion. As he gets everything ready, Deb prepares to shower until she hears some commotion outside by the pool. You know, I don't even know you and I dislike you already. I know. That's exactly what this reminded me of with her robe. Yes. Yeah. She finds a doctor with a plastic bag over his head and he is being stabbed in the face with a corkscrew by Corey, who wears his scarecrow mask. She runs in the house and locks Corey out. However, Michael is inside and kills Deb by pinning her to the wall with his knife as Corey watches in admiration. 
Unbelievable. Wow. My first note is Deb is a whore. (laughs) That's my first (laughs) note in this section. Yeah, she is such a fun character. She reminds me of Miss Squirrel from Bad Teacher. Yeah, she reminds me of, no, what's the uh, Vanessa from Saturday Night Live? Oh my God, Vanessa Myers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh, Vanessa Byer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she looked Michael like her. Michael Myers' thought, sister. Yes, that's who I thought it was, but it wasn't her. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's kind of a fun character. She definitely reminds me of the character that you played. I literally wrote that in my notes. It's like, Deb is Jake's character in that in that movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's She's such like an obvious kill fodder character. Like, she is ditzy, hoary co-worker friend. Yeah. I know that you're going to get head nurse, but I really want it. And I think I'm going to sleep with a doctor just so that I can get a chance. Like, it's like, yeah, that's her whole arc. It's like, um, Rachel's fucking nemesis in Halloween four. Like where it's just her big fucking tits and that. Oh yeah. Do it by the book t-shirt. Like a girl, you, they just set you up to be dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh God. But so yeah, we get her. Okay. So now I have an actual question. Okay. And I don't know how you'll feel about this. All right. Which book do you think is better? Laurie Strode's book or Sidney Prescott's book? Okay. I was (laughs) waiting for Laurie to say, and here I am, out of darkness. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Out of the darkness into the light. Yeah. Yeah. Into the light. Who do you think has the more compelling story? Um, Sydney, are you kidding me? <laughs> you think so? Lori, Lori had a, cu- a couple of friends die a hundred years ago. No one cares. <laughs> all of Lori, or all of Sydney's boyfriends are either killers or they're friends. killed. Yeah, all her best friends are dead. Her, her mom's brother, dead. Her brother, her mom dead. was a hoe. Her, bro- her half brother's dead. They made a movie about her. Like, I mean, she <laughs> has quite She's- the exciting trajectory yeah she has quite the exciting story compared to miss boring illinois laurie strode yeah yeah what is she giving like survival instinct like advice on their survival experience in her book yeah it's just a picture and if if (laughs) (laughs) here's me when i was little (laughs) knots and knives and guns (laughs) how to tie a noose like to hang michael myers like it's so stupid yeah. a how-to guide that's what she's writing uh yeah a pickaxe yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your number one weapon of choice um <laughs> yeah that's her laurie Stroh's survival <laughs> um yeah cities would be more compelling i will say that i do love how beautiful she ended that chapter about the suicide or cherry blossoms i think that's really really poignant like how how do you deal with your trauma? You can there's either you know two ways either end it all or you do your best to enjoy the beautiful things that life has to offer. I thought that was really poignant of yeah. Miss Laurie Strode. Yeah, that was really sweet. Did that tie into something that Frank Hawkins said about cherry blossoms? <sighs> because I don't at the remember. end she goes. Yeah, tell me about those. Blossoms. Tell me about those cherry blossoms. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just not remembering. This scene is a good callback too because this is when Lori sees him out of the window but all I ever think of when she sees Michael out of the window is that original scene where she's like I saw somebody in 
Mr. Hackett's backyard and she's like oh yeah maybe it was Mr. Hackett or whatever she's like <laughs> I don't even know the name Hackett is not the right name but she's like Lori, Mr. Hackett is 87. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just think about that. But it's not Mrs. Hackett or, or Corey no, or this is whoever. Corey. This is Corey. And now we're like, <laughs> it's not Corey taking over for Michael. Yes, yeah, so now it's getting like very on the ridiculous. nose that Corey is the new Michael. This is the point of the movie when I was watching it for the first time where my jaw really hit the floor. I was like, oh my God. I cannot believe that this is where this story has gone. And then he disappears. So I guess that's not a supernatural thing. <laughs> yeah. And then just yeah. magically appears behind her. Yeah. Like, hi. <laughs> he's like, oh, she's like, oh, oh, I didn't mean to scare you. Oh, you didn't? It's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. <laughs> like they like to say in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, when Corey takes Allison to Jeremy's house, that's when I started to wonder why the filmmakers thought we would care so much about this story to drag yeah. it out like this. Like, here's where I'm coming from. It's like... Well, first of all, when he confesses it, he's like, I, ju- I killed a man. Or what is it? I just killed somebody. Or I just... I killed someone, Laurie. <laughs> yeah. No, I want to talk to you, <laughs> Laurie. Please go on a walk with me. Just you. <laughs> Can't ever do an episode without bringing up Miss Rena Reynolds. <laughs> Miss Rena Reynolds, the the actress, the star. <laughs> um, what were we talking about before this? The Jeremy's house. <clears throat> oh yes, yeah, that scene is really interesting too. And like, I'm like, th- should this be like major flags for Allison? But uh, she is really desperate for this connection. Uh, it and would be so a red flag for me. Like- the blood stain can't even come out of the floor. Like I'm like I yeah. don't know if I can trust this, but also but the, there's this uh, this there's this connection here to, from Corey to Michael where we left Michael off at like what's the mystery of him being attracted to Judith's window? You know, it's like Corey being attracted to this scene of the crime where he's literally sleeping on top of the pool yeah, of blood. Yeah, of the bloody stain. Oh, that is interesting. This is like they're attracted to the place where they committed their first kill. Yeah, or like it was such a significant event in their life that they, yeah, they can't let it go. And so that's, they have a similarity there. Interesting. I never even thought about that. I know. I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this must be the importance of Jeremy's house. But at the same time, I was like, this just feels like American Horror Story murder house. <laughs> yeah. And like, she like makes a lot of references, like almost like their connection is also supernatural, which I'm confused about. Cause she's like, she's like, I, I feel like I was calling for you and that she brought us together. It was like, she was like, she's like, explains it almost as if it's like destiny that they were supposed to meet. Like, is this like some sort of supernatural thing? <laughs> Maybe this is in reference to the generational curse of the Strode family. Like they just can't stay away from toxic men. I mean, maybe, but she's like, when she first heard about Corey specifically and that her grandma brought them together and it was like, it was fate that they got together. That's why she like feels, she feels like she has to make it work between them. Like she's willing to disregard all the red flags because she, she feels like they're supposed to be together. Yeah. She's like, so what? You killed somebody. Everyone does that. Yeah. (laughs) I tried. Didn't work, uh, uh, but I tried to kill him. You don't think I've wanted to kill people before? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make you special. <laughs> I love that all the men in this story are just like creeps because now we have like uh, 
the Mulaney thing, constantly trying to get at Allison, and then, like, later on when we see Corey, like, if I can't have her, no one can. Like, this is real. Guys have a really hard time moving on from their girlfriend. Oh, shit. Yes, and that it's is like, what this movie's about. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think we get some more of, like, the ridiculous mother. She's absolutely She's insane. She's out of her mind. Yeah. Ridiculous Mar- character. This is in reference to Margaret White, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea what this is a reference to. Um, yeah. But she weird. does have a point when she says that the town... The town needed a new boogeyman since they no longer had Michael Myers to kind of scapegoat and like filter their pain towards now. But see, I don't know if it's necessarily like a really good point or if it's just a really decent way to include in the dialogue what Corey's connection is to Michael beyond this. Sure. You know, ridiculous plot. (laughs) You know, like, uh, yeah, well, they kind of are sharing in the same experience, but it's like, but Corey seems to be like human, whereas Michael Myers seems to like not be. And yeah. by introducing Corey like this, it sort of seems like you're humanizing Michael in a way without him being able to talk. This is how exactly. You would show. Yes, totally. Underneath it all, he also was once a little boy and you know a confused yeah. young man. Like, well, um, yeah. Well, I think that brings up the question, which I think is one of the main points of this movie, is this sort of like nature versus nurture conversation. Like, yeah. what is it that makes Corey evil? We see him at the beginning of the film as like a very charming, nice, sweet young man. Right. Who ends up going down a very dark path because of, you know, the misconception of what happened that night and how the yes. town has subsequently treated him. And then there's also this idea kind of introduced that it maybe it was in him all along and maybe it's in us all along. I think Joey brought up a good point while we were watching. He said, it's like they're saying that everybody has a little bit of Michael Myers in them. Like anybody has the capability. And we've seen that come true during times like COVID. (laughs) Like there's evil in all of us and we've seen it rear its ugly head. Yeah, exactly. So is that is that the explanation for Corey? Or, you know, yeah. was it always inside him? Was this conversation that they have with um, the Jeremy's father in the bar? Like, is that to imply that he's always had these two selves in him? That the boy who used to, you know, cut his, mow his lawn isn't the one who killed his son, but um, the, the yeah. new person that he saw was coming out? Or is it an implication that this is more supernatural than we're making it out to be? Is right, it more exactly. so like Michael Myers is true evil and by coming across him and and almost being like attacked but not killed, you be, it unleashes the darkness within you, you know? I mean, yeah. Lori had some darkness after her encounter with him too. Did she become yeah. a serial killer? No, but she, did, she, did she like compromise her, you know, quality of living to obsess over something? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. Michael Myers is, he is an infection. Once you come into contact with him, it's like you're on the dark path now. Yes. Yes. And we're bringing this idea back that there's supernatural here. Michael gets stronger with every kill because he kills Mulaney. And then that's when he gets more aggressive. And pretty soon he's out there watching Laurie again. But here we go, because I thought we said this had nothing to do with Laurie. So now that his house is gone, now the target is Laurie. Yeah, why is he going back to Laurie? It seems, or is he I just mean, following Corey? I think he, it has to be that he's following Corey. I think that they were trying to figure out a way to get Michael 
to Lori without it being like he was specifically coming for her. But then that shot of him watching Lori should have been omitted. Yeah. Because then yeah. it makes no sense. Because if if the killing spree that Corey later goes on is everybody that has sort of wronged him or challenged him, which includes Lori, it would make sense if Michael's following yeah. him that he would lead him, lead Michael to Lori inadvertently. Like he's just there to help him like really pin with, down the yeah, victim. With the so assist. The, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll help. I'm older now, so you know. Yeah. But I'll help. <laughs> but yeah, he gets more aggressive. But I don't know. It's just like, it just seems like in Halloween Kills, they set it up that they just cross paths by happenstance, you know? So it's like, why is he yeah. stalking her? And I don't know. It, it just, it brings up a lot of interesting ideas. And it almost seems like in the writer's room, they were like, hey, you know, a lot of people didn't like that. We kind of took Michael out of Lori's life. So like, let's find a way to leave them back in together. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe if we just ignore the fact that we kind of ruined all that, maybe they won't notice. Yeah, I think they should have deleted some of these scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so, but then, like, Corey, like, is Corey, like, feeding, like, Michael? Like, that's what it kind of feels like when he, like, takes people down to the sewer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it almost feels like he's, like, feeding him. Feeding him. Yeah, that's how I took it. He's like, that is, yeah. But that sounds like a supernatural thing. Exactly. I, I'm like, I don't know what they're playing here. I don't know what side they're, I don't know what they're doing. You know, Jeremy's dad has this scene with Lori um, that you were talking about. And he also says that when people would discuss Corey and Jeremy, it was like they were taking on his pain and making it about them. Which is funny because that's literally what Halloween Kills was about. So it's almost like, is that also an explanation as to why Michael is being drawn to Lori? Like, it was Lori all along, you guys. It actually was. But because everybody tries to make everything about them, it kind of seemed like it wasn't. Oh, I mean, that that could be true. (laughs) Like, we misinterpreted. Like, they convinced us that it wasn't about Lori, but it was about Lori all along. Because in Halloween Kills, it seems like everybody has their version of the yeah. truth about Michael Myers. It's like, you weren't right, even there. Of you know? Yeah. And we also have this other moment when Joan says after Michael disappeared, Corey became the new boogeyman. So it's like, maybe this is like about though, like a commentary on the truth about our society. Like, it's almost like we don't feel human if our existence isn't threatened by someone or something. Sure. It's like everybody feels the need to be involved. But I mean, these people take it very seriously. Like, they're literally like hanging themselves in their front yard over it. Like... Yeah, I don't don't know. It seems like, yeah, this town is very broken and needs a lot of collective therapy. (laughs) It's an infection. It's contagious. Uh, (laughs) This is the climax of this sequence um, or of this section. The Dr. Mathis and Nurse Deb murders. Wow. (laughs) I mean, just two despicable characters. Her not very much, but she's obviously very annoying. She annoyed Allison earlier and... Allison told her to shut her goddamn mouth and she took that as like a cute little compliment. You're right. I talk too much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she needed to go. And so we have this scene where, um, I mean, this is really like Corey's first like premeditated murder. Yes. And which I thought was kind of shocking. And he had that, like he has the little scarecrow mask on. Uh, yeah, which is, you know, similar to Michael's mask when he was young yeah. boy. His clown sure. mask. 
Um, did I miss the scene where Allison told Corey that she lost the promotion to Nurse Deb because she's leaving with Dr. Mathis? Yeah, I don't remember that scene Why either. Why is he killing them? Yeah, I don't even think he knows. I mean, maybe because he, the doctor was rude to her in, in, when he was getting his sutures <laughs> oh. in his hand. And he was like, you shouldn't oh. let talk to you like that. She's cute, it's, huh? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And yeah, so that man is a threat to the woman he loves. Oh my god, that and is Nurse stupid. Deb is a bitch, and she deserves it without even knowing it. Yeah. I do like this sequence, though. I mean, there's something about the yeah. lighting and the moment that she sees Corey killing the doctor that it feels particularly eerie. Like, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. and I think the scoring is very again yes. very different from what we're used to but i think very effective yeah it does feel like it does feel kind of like sad watching Corey go this far i know because you are rooting for him earlier yeah you were like i was like actively sort of rooting for Corey, but now it's like he's too far gone he's now like fully embraced this and is now a murderer like a premeditated murderer yeah, and, you know, it, it, the scene is sad in that way to me. I'm like, oh god, I was like, poor Corey, like he is lost, like he is so lost in this moment, like there's no going back. I know, and it's, and I know that people hate that they're tag teaming. They're oh like, yeah, what okay. the fuck? Like, not only are we, you know, heartbroken that we were wanted to root for Corey, but now we're like, our villain, like he's compromised. But I guess, I mean, I guess it sort of just brings back the original idea that 2018 proposed, which is that he's just a man. But then why the, like, discussion of, you know, supernatural? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's it's yeah. very confusing. Like you said, we just don't know what the fuck Michael is. And it's very confusing. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> no more wondering. Hopefully it's just done. Um yeah. yeah, so yeah, they're they're obviously Deb's death is a very specific reference to the OG where yeah. uh pinned to the wall with a knife, much like There's so many people that die like that at this point. I know, exactly. Like these knives must extend when they are inside of them in order to go through their entire body and into the wall. And hold up their body weight. Yeah, like is this a machete? Like what <laughs> a fucking sword. Corey takes Allison to a spot on the roof of the local radio station. The station's DJ, Willie the Kid, played by Karan Harris, is heard throughout the film discussing Michael Myers, Jeremy's murder, and other happenings in Haddonfield. Allison and Corey plan to burn down Jeremy's house and leave Haddonfield because they're tired of being scrutinized by the town. As they climb down from the building, Willie confronts them, aware of who they are. Corey starts to get aggressive, but is stopped by Allison. Lori sees this unfold as she has started to follow Allison. Later, Joan kicks Corey out of the house for being out all the time, and he ends up sleeping in Jeremy's murder house. When he wakes up, he is confronted by Lori. She forbids him to leave with Allison, but Corey retorts by blaming her for the events that have occurred in Haddonfield and says if he cannot have Allison, no one can. It's finally Halloween day. Corey calls Allison and tells her they're leaving ASAP. He returns to the sewers and overpowers Michael for his mask. Meanwhile, Lori argues with Allison to prevent her from leaving. That night, Corey embarks on a rampage wearing Michael's mask. He scratches the word psycho into Terry's car, which lures them into the salvage yard. He starts by stabbing a metal rod into Billy's eye. Stacy and Margot try to escape the yard by jumping a chain link fence. Corey plows down the fence with Ronald's truck, trapping Margot underneath. He kills Stacy with a wrench. Terry gets Ronald's attention, screaming for help. 
Ronald arms himself with a gun and gives Terry a shotgun. Ronald realizes Corey is killing the kids and runs after him. Terry attempts to shoot Corey but accidentally shoots Ronald in the head, killing him. Corey disappears and Terry runs to Ronald. Corey jumps out of nowhere, pins Terry down, and fires a welding torch into Terry's mouth. He finishes the scene off by stomping on Margot's head. Corey then goes into his house and kills his mother. He eventually makes his way to the radio station. After killing the receptionist, he confronts Willie, slamming his head to the desk, breaking his jaw, and then cutting off his tongue. Oh my god. Oh my god, here we go. We are finally getting into some kills in this movie. I know. Wow. Thank thank you for this. I know. But first it starts with this like really emo scene of these two on top of a building saying they're going to burn burn things down and blow this town. Like it this yeah. whole scene feels so 80s to me. Like yes. Like, the scoring is so 80s. The synth this is, is like footloose. heavy. This is heavy. Yeah, this is footloose. <laughs> this is some 80s teen drama. Yeah, it is. It feels very Teen Witch. <laughs> I like the style. I think it's a I fun do homage. I, I think it, I think it works. It's fun, but it's so ridiculous. I can laugh at it and be like, "Oh my god!" The performances are great, also. So I, I think yeah. that it, everything is just selling me on this storyline at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm for into them. this stupid little story. Yeah, yeah. We already talked about him sleeping on the, on the blood the, in the murder house. But yeah. then they have uh, this confrontation with Lori, right? Where they, where they talk all cryptically to each other. What do you think of this scene? I don't like it. It's so kind of ridiculous. Like I don't like how they're finding where these people live. Like I mean, like Corey finding Doctor Mathis, Lori finding Corey in Jeremy's house. Like this is just <laughs> kind of messy. Like how do they know this about? I mean, it's just quick, easy storytelling, and you really have to. You're really relying on your audience to. Uh, turn a blind eye you know like i don't yeah. know and just the cryptic shit i like it sounds cool but right. like get to the fucking point like i i don't know there are three kinds of evil like oh god yeah. there are two kinds of evil there are outside oh, forces that threaten the tribe and the inside evil the infection and you know it's the most dangerous because you you know you may not know that it's inside of you i mean Okay, I get. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel like Lori's explaining on a, what we're she's, saying. She's on a self-help journey. Okay, she sounds like a self-help book. Yeah, chicken, chicken noodle soup for the serial killer's soul. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at least she admits that they're both fucked up. Like, she's not shying away from the fact that she's damaged from this and this yeah. whole thing that she's doing right now. It's a total farce. Like, she's just <laughs> trying to she's trying to act normal to be normal. Yes. And it also felt very Scream 3. It's like, what's your favorite scary movie? My life. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, no, if I can't have her, no one can. But I do. <laughs> but I, but do you know what? Corey gives her the read in this moment. And he's really right. He's like, I think that you secretly want him to return. Yeah. You're I, jealous. And, <laughs> yeah. Because <or>, <laughs> <laughs> I know where he is and you don't. Does Lori attract the drama? Is she the drama? I think Lori's Is the she drama. the drama? <laughs> She's not the drama. Well, it's she like, does be. she really feel... Is she doing all this extra shit, like baking pies and writing memoirs because she's trying to feel okay with moving on? Or, like, is she masking right. the fact that she still really wants to find him and make sure that he's dead? 
I think that's I think that's the truth. Is I that think what he's implying? He, I, I think that he hits it on the head. I think that Lori does want him to come back. I think she needs the closure, but she's like masking it with all this other shit. And so he's like, I'm calling you out. I see you. I, I, while I have all these similar similarities with Michael, I also have similarities with you because the two of you are also one and the same in a way, mm. you know? Yeah. Which gets brought up a lot. I feel like in these, in these later movies and she even has a line that I'm not sure I heard in the movie, but it's in the trailer where she goes, maybe in order for Michael to die, I have to die too. You know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, maybe it has always been about Michael and Lori, you know, maybe that's our answer yeah. right there. But the I mean, end to their saga. Yeah, like, but it's also okay. like she's also the common denominator. Maybe she's poison. Maybe she's bad luck. Yeah, maybe it's not crossing Michael Myers' path. Maybe it's crossing Lori Strode. Lori's, I mean, look yeah. at her neighbor, Miss Sandra. This is why yeah. she's in the predicament that she's in. And this is really the compelling storyline here is where yeah. is Sandra? Yes, it's Sandra. <laughs> where is Sandra? What is she doing now? Now she has no voice. He took it. Yeah, it was just, she's in a wheelchair, so she can't even, like, do her job at the cemetery anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if that's even her. That's her. Did we confirm that, or, or do we think that they were two different characters? Why would they keep bringing her back to play two different characters? <laughs> <laughs> it's very Sarah Paulson. Yeah, she's very Jessica Lange. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Okay, so now we're getting into it. I was kind of happy when Corey went and got Michael's mask, but... Oh, my God. I think, to me, that scene is unforgivable. Unforgivable for you? And that's unforgivable for a lot of people. Can you imagine being a child of the 70s and 80s, growing up, watching every Halloween movie in theaters, and then seeing him being treated like a sick old dog, being wrestled for his bone? Yeah, getting bullied by Corey to... And just like taking his mask and running, <laughs> surviving another encounter <laughs> with Michael Myers. Like, give me that mask, I say. <laughs> yeah, like people do not escape Michael Myers. And now Corey's done it several times. <laughs> As if he's like it's, some senile old. I mean, I don't know. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. And it almost is like he tried to train Michael like a sick old dog and lead him to people he wanted to die. But because Michael has no rhyme or reason or emotions, he can't be controlled. You know, we talked about this in Nope. (laughs) Um, But Corey is different because he has emotions. He has an agenda. So instead, he's going to use the mask to pin the murders on him anyway and then ditch town. That poor Michael. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I just think the scene... It just, it just weakens him a little too much for me. Yeah. Okay, but let's get into it because Corey's killing spree is the best part of this movie. Well, of course, because it's like, this is what we came here for. Uh, some murder, <laughs> I guess. And, and yes. it begins. It goes off. It starts um, with, I think, a really awesome sequence. Yes, with the kids. Yeah, so these so these kids that we haven't really mentioned yet, but they're like this gang of band geeks, which okay, Give that a is a break. choice. That is a choice. Yeah, that Since was when a choice. were the band geeks ever assholes? Well, that's not true. I don't know if they're assholes, but they were never, never the bullies. They were always the bullied. This is a comment about how the LGBTQ community is now the most popular kids in school. <laughs> do you think that they were, <laughs> do you think that they no. were all queer? I don't know. They looked kind of funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> they look kind of funny to me. Well, they did look funny. That girl, 
Oh my god. That plays Margot. The black what? phone wig. Is what what is that but wig? This, this is her hair because her IMDb profile photo is her with this big, enormous hair. Oh, they she loved literally. It. They said, yeah. oh my god, we found it. She, we don't even have to make her look like she's from the 80s. She lives it. She lives it. Honestly, when Corey went to smash in her head with his boot, I'm surprised that that fucking hair didn't stop his fucking <laughs> snap that fucking ankle. Literally, like it didn't swallow him whole. Like it's a fucking a helmet of hair. He's like, give it back to me. Her hair swelling yeah. up his leg. <laughs> it is. It is crazy hair. I mean, the crazy yeah. thing about this though is that we got so much in Halloween kills that now we're getting like off-screen kills. Yeah, like, whoa. I know. We didn't or, even like, see Billy die. focused blurred. Yeah. We didn't yeah. see Billy die. We didn't see Stacy die. We didn't see Stacy um, die. Both of them or cutaways. We didn't. We don't see Joan die. We don't see, like... We don't see Joan die. Yeah, it was crazy. There's a lot and, of cutaways, which is so surprising when the last movie, I like, we saw some of those graphic killing. Yes. Even Terry's death. It's, like, really upfront and out of focus, you know? Yeah. So you're, like... It's you almost can like implied. Definitely see what's happening, but it's more of an implication than it is like a. Yeah, the most graphic like, one is Margot getting her head stepped on. Oh my god! <laughs> An explosion of oh. brains and hair. Yeah, and also randomly the stepdad getting his head blown off. Oh, I know how you feel about these oh coincidental murders. Like, not this. I mean, this is less coincidental <laughs> because there is like a fight, for a lot of action, life going on. Yeah. But I mean, come on. That I mean, poor I guess guy. It, I guess it keeps Corey from killing the one person in his life who was nice to him. He cared about, yeah. It's sort of the Dr. Loomis of it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, maybe. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Overreaching, but yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> anus thing is possible. Um, okay. The Murders of High School is well done. Um, oh, but also the imagery of Margot getting mowed Run down. Over. I laughed so loud. And it's, it was the, that's a raven tummy. Yes, that's a raven tummy. <laughs> oh my God. It was so funny. She's returned. Mowed over by that car is so funny to me. I don't know why. Joey goes, did you just laugh? I was like, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that wasn't funny to you? It was all <laughs> me and Andre were in tears. Um, <laughs> okay. This was fucking gnarly. This is the gnarliest thing in the whole fucking movie. Oh, the death of, of DJ Willie the Kid. Oh, and the receptionist, a cameo by um by um, Miss Miss Tinkerbell. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> she's very pretty, but it was just like She's she... gorgeous. She is a stunning woman. And honestly, she reminds me of Cassandra Peterson. She's on that Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, is that her? Thing of a bobber. Yeah, the, with the black hair. Oh, and that's what's in the male girl, Darcy the male girl? Yes, Darcy the male girl. This is her. I thought she looked way oh. better blonde. Yeah, I was into it. I had no idea that was her. Good for her. I was like, is that Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> <laughs> she like Jennifer Tilly in Liar Liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Um the Willie the Kid. Whoa, okay, first of all, this asshole character out of nowhere. <laughs> Just yeah. so rude. He's been talking a lot of shit, but at the same time He's part of the infection. He spreads he spreads the fear and the hate. Maybe this is the COVID-19 parallel. He is the no. evil media. <laughs> Willie the Kid is this universe's Wendy Williams. <laughs> oh or Charlemagne the God. Yes. Like, just straight up, just controversial as hell. Doesn't right. believe everything that he's saying, but still goes for it. 
Yeah. So yeah, he's a sensationalist. And so he's yeah. he's really done his part in spreading the hate and he verbally assaulted Allison and Corey and so he's gonna die. Yes, and he dies quite the death. This because he gets <laughs> grabbed by his hair and gets his face just shoved against the fucking desk until his jaw completely disconnects from his skull. The teeth falling out was a great this, hat on. This I was like, am I watching Planet Terror? This looks like a grindhouse B movie murder. A grindhouse B movie murder. I was like, whoa. Yeah, even the angle, like the camera was like kind of like pulsing in and out. Like, yes. Like Planet Terror. And then the dummy's head looked ridiculous. And then slicing off the tongue and like the spurt yeah. of blood. I was like, it was like, hang up the chick, having yeah, yes. hang it, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, yeah, kind of look yeah. like what Rose McGowan looks like after she hits her face in Death Proof, like you know, <laughs> like lasagna yeah, face, just a gnarled, yeah, mangled face. <laughs> oh yeah, my this god, this part was ridiculous. I was like, okay, here we go again with the tonally inconsistent. But I mean, it did look like a death from an '80s movie. It did. It really did. It it was sick. I, I loved it. Yeah. It, it, I thought it, it was a little aggressive it's for a such a small character. <laughs> yeah. That's like my interpretation. There's like, a, as his teeth were falling out of his head, all oh, yours, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally. It, but it was fine. I, I was like, okay, yes, that was brutal, but it did seem sort of strange. Oh, and the tongue going on the record and getting oh, slapped yeah. around like a fish. Yeah. Oh, so my the God. The CGI tongue. Like. Yeah. It's all. It started getting a mind of its own. Yeah, I was like, okay, what are we doing? Yeah, happy Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) But also, again, uh, feels very uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. Oh, and then we get um, a fight between Allison and Lori. There's trouble in paradise. Like, you know, Lori's trying to save Allison and... You know, I'm leaving. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I was like, this is ridiculous. But also, like, she is so blind. Allison is so blind, and she's kind of a bitch, and she's desperate, and yeah, she's ruining her life. Yeah, and like, she's like believing that Lori is the root of all this. Like, how is the root of evil? Yeah, how is that possible that Lori is? Uh, but maybe, whatever. I guess people, they need to blame somebody. Well, it could be like you said, Lori maybe is the reason this is all. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Maybe she is. She's the common denominator. Maybe that she is. This leads us to the, to the finale. Here we go. At Lori's house, Lori pretends to prepare for suicide by shooting herself, which somehow lures Corey to her. <laughs> <laughs> She shoots him and he falls over the stair banister. Corey then stabs himself in the neck to frame Lori for his death. Just then, Allison walks in, thinking Lori has killed Corey. <laughs> she flees the house. Lori breaks down, defeated. Michael suddenly arrives to retrieve his mask. He finishes off Corey by breaking his neck. Lori hides in the kitchen, but it isn't long before Michael finds her. After an exciting and thrilling fight, she manages to pin him to the kitchen island, stabbing knives through his hands and chest. He is pinned to the island. She then pulls the refrigerator down onto his leg. He is trapped. Meanwhile, Allison sees the radio station set ablaze and realizes Corey has snapped. She hurries back to Lori's house. Lori removes Michael's mask and slits his throat with a kitchen knife. 
He frees one of his pinned hands and grabs her throat to choke her. She accepts her fate as a flashback of every encounter with Michael flashes before her eyes. That's intense. I actually really love that. This montage. Yeah. (laughs) Allison rushes in and stops him from choking Lori. She breaks his arm. Lori holds Michael's hand as she slides her blade down his wrist, causing him to bleed out. Police arrive on the scene and strap Michael's body to the top of Allison's car. (laughs) Oh my god. The entire town leads a procession to the salvage yard. They drive up to an industrial shredder where everyone watches as Lori dumps his body into the shredder. His body is crushed and shredded. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if he is. Was he shredded? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> they shredded him to death. Oh my god. Michael's reign of terror over Haddonfield has ended for good. In the ensuing days, Allison leaves Haddonfield while Lori finishes her memoir and rediscovers her romance with Frank. The end. All okay, right. So this. I don't understand this. Well, Lori is putting on what we come to find out quite the show. I was like, wow, <laughs> she really, really committed to this bit in order to trick Corey. Lighting the pumpkin one Lighting last time. Lighting the pumpkin, crying. Did you see those memes where it says, after 40 years, Lori still hasn't learned to carve a decent fucking jack-o'-lantern? No, her, her jack-o'-lantern sucks. It's not even cute. Her jack-in-the-box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she like puts on this whole show. But to be honest, before okay. I knew... Before I knew that she was gonna shoot, you know, not gonna shoot herself. You knew I, from was, the trailer. I was kind of heartbroken. I know, literally, but I was kind of heartbroken for her. I mean, like, she now like shoulders all the responsibility for what happened. Like the town, like, thinks it's all her fault. So like, she has nobody. And like, once her granddaughter leaves her, and you know, everyone has made her the common denominator of what happened. Like, what else is there? Is it suicide well, or cherry blossoms? <sighs> I definitely get your point, and that's definitely the point. But I also thought, wow, what a sudden change of heart. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, she's like, I'm like, a survivor, I'm a survivor. Okay, I'm done. Do we choose suicide or cherry blossoms? Not once did I ever think she was going to choose suicide. So, like, I was like, what? Exactly. So, I mean, it does feel a little strange, but I, I honestly understood. I was like, okay, but maybe other people. Yeah, you did. Maybe it's not as convincing to other people. That's fine. Yeah. But and then when he walks into the room, she's like, "Did you think I was for real? Like, well, she, why? Yeah. Why would that lure him to her when she shot the pumpkin guts? I know. Like, what was the point of that? It really serves no purpose other than to elicit an, a, a reaction out of the audience. It makes less sense logistically about why she's doing it. Well, I can imagine watching this in a crowded theater and hearing everybody when the pumpkin guts explode with the shotgun <gasps> going, "No!" <gasps> What? What? Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, it seems like a plot device they added so that when Allison gets the call from Frank that she called in a suicide. She's like, oh my God, grandmother didn't kill Corey. He killed himself. I must go back at once, you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) It's just a half-baked idea, I feel like. Yeah, it like doesn't fully connect and make total sense about why she's doing it. Like, it wasn't just to get the police there so she can call them the suicide and it wouldn't be suspicious that the police are on their way. Yeah. And she so easily um, realizes that 
It's Corey and Michael's mask. Oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I know. She's like, I knew it all along. Well, um, she was having, like, weird feelings about him, like, just his presence. So maybe she has a psychic connection. <laughs> she she's sen- a psychic. She can That's sense Michael's stink on him. Yeah. I can smell him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, okay. Do you think Corey got off too easily? Um, yeah. I think there should have been an... It's so weird that a character that we have now had to commit to for this entire film kind of gets off easy and there's no real emotional stakes when he dies. Like, he's like, if I can't have her, nobody can. And he stabs himself in the neck, like, to frame Lori, which is kind of fucked up, you know? Like, obviously, there's already all this you know, stigma towards Lori. Like, obviously this is going to set her back in her journey. So it is fucked up. But right. It's also like, do I believe that Corey would now just kill himself in this situation? I don't know. And then when Michael that, snaps his neck, it's like, Oh, that's so weird. He's already like, dead, Michael. Yeah. Or like we were so committed to this character. He just got killed. And I kind of don't really care. <laughs> I thought there should have been a bigger fight between him and yes. Corey. Yeah. Like, so that he really could have gotten his ass whipped and there would have been some sort of redemption for the audience that didn't like the storyline. I think Allison should have seen it happen. And that, that, you know, fuels her, you know, she's like, look what you did to the one person that could have (laughs) saved me or who had made me feel anything, you know, look what you did. Like, not only did you take my mother, my father, my, you know, now this, my last hope, like, that right. would have been given Allison a lot more agency to be involved in this final fight, which I also think she's missing from. Yeah, not until she comes in and is just like, hi yeah. <laughs> that part <laughs> is so funny. I literally was crying laughing. When she comes in, she's like, I'm not going to, what does she say? She's like, I'm not going to let this happen to you. And then she grabs his arm. She's all, ah! And it's like, <laughs> yeah. crunch. crunch. <laughs> the crunch oh. is so oh funny. Oh, my God. It's a I was was crying laughing just her screaming and crunching his arm it's just so funny that was part of the humor in reading that for me it was just the visuals she breaks his arm by pulling it down like a lever it was insane Um, but the final showdown mostly takes place with just between Lori and Michael and I think it's good the one thing that I was like okay was the return of the knitting needle which is like I know I was like oh okay whatever like I'm kind of over the callbacks yeah but then it ends up in her ear and I'm like ooh ah I'm like ah oh god I know I mean it's a it's a satisfying knockout drag out fight I think people wanted this scene but for an entire two hours instead of just the 20 minutes of it that we get (laughs) It's just like um, that movie Cat Fight with Sandra Oh and Anne <laughs> yes. Hage. They're just fighting for two hours uh, exactly. in different settings. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lori holding Michael's hand as she finishes him off felt like H2O. Yeah. Like everyone loved the way H2O ended. And then when they ruined it with the resurrection <laughs> storyline. Um, so this kind of felt like that H2O redemption. Like, Yes, this is what I wanted to see is Lori finishing him off. Like, I'm glad they recreated the. Recreated. I'm glad they recreated. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking poetic as I said recreated. <laughs> um, I'm glad they recreated that moment because it does feel a little like a love letter to the audience in a it way. Does, like, it does. It does. Remember when you wanted this? Yeah. But then you think about it and you're like, these are literally just like two old people fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> 
just two geriatrics going at each other's yeah. throats. But, you know, and then she, I think she realized all along that she just had to pin him down. Like, she had to make sure he couldn't just escape like he always does. And so she stabs his ass to that island. And he's almost, like, crucified. Like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of, yeah. like, Jesus It reminded imagery. me of Carrie. Yeah, a little bit of Carrie you know a little jesus-y or like you know sacri- it was crazy but like they're vicious they bleed him yeah. out <laughs> like that is slit his throat stab him in the side <laughs> slit his wrists i was like oh hey my allison God. check this out yeah <laughs> like across the wrist like ow oh yeah, yeah it's i was like brutal. wow i was like they are they ain't playing i mean this whole part and there's a procession it's like you're dead you're the, dead yeah, you monster that's hilarious it's like the entire town showed up and it's literally like 35 people. <laughs> yeah. And we see Julian. Yeah. Who but we, we loved. In but the you first know, who movie. we don't see Lindsay Wallace. That's what I said. I was like, we see Julian, we see Sandra, but we don't see Miss Lindsay Wallace. She can spare one more day to strap on those fake bangs and walk with a group of people. Kyle. I'm sorry. I can't. I got to get back to my real job. Yeah. I have to get back <laughs> to Beverly Hills. Yeah. <laughs> And then we have the disposal of Michael's body. Oh my god. <laughs> him, being, <laughs> him being ground up in that grinder. It literally felt so, like an Ari Aster film. Yeah, it felt I was hilarious. Like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it just explodes in blood and then his head gets like just like chewed. <laughs> his brain you see his brain. We saw Michael's brain. Yes. It, lo- it literally looked like a, a movie that we were talking about earlier today, Death Becomes Her. Yeah. This definitely, this looked like when Madeline Ashton falls down the stairs. I was like, oh, oh, oh my, oh God. It was like, yeah, it was pretty It took a minute. Disgusting the mask and all. Yeah. But it's yeah. All- I know, like, but I thought about this. I was like, okay. imagine like being Michael Myers. Like everyone hates you a lot. They're I like, was thinking that too. They're this all like is the Frankenstein no, moment. They're like no marked grave, no nothing, just forgotten about. I was like, damn, you have to be somebody special for everyone to hate you that much. Well, have you heard about the concept of the movies that could potentially come after this? Oh no, but I do know it's a possibility. I was watching an interview with David Gordon Green where they're like, "Is this it? This is the end of the franchise?" He's like, "He's like, it's too profitable to put like a." definite end on it <laughs> yeah so, they're gonna have a new franchise called halloween forever and it's gonna be michael myers returning to people's memories and killing them in their sleep <laughs> oh my god uh, just i mean a new I direction and i mean terror. i feel like i feel like people have, have you seen like the twitter things people wanting like a trilogy of season of the witch that's dumb that's a, yeah, that's <laughs> that storyline's not gonna work. That's what people are, are they're like posting like the three posters of it and ones of like of the witch mask and then it's yes. called Season of the Witch and the second movie would call be called Season of the Skull and then the third would be Season of the uh. Jack O' Lantern. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god, but have you seen Season of the Jack O' Lantern? <laughs> <laughs> That's what people are posting on Twitter. And hey, do you know if enough people make a stink about it? You never know. Would you that, never would, know. Would you think that'd be an interesting story? I think there's a lot of expand? crazy directions they can go with that. Yeah. Like just the thought of consumerism and, you know, Halloween, but then like brainwashing. And then like and, Irish know, like, Irish folklore. They could like. Yes. Witch- you know, like yeah. Celtic, Samhain, Halloween, you know. 
the early roots. That'd be kind of interesting. That'd be interesting. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea. I would just be surprised. I would be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that that horrible meme of Jamie Lee Curtis looking just wretched, and it's like Halloween forever, 2044. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's like an old, old, old lady, an old ass fucking hag. <laughs> yeah, and then we have some like weird sort of wrap up dialogue between between Lori and Allison, and where she's just like, he was consumed <laughs> by evil, and they're all, it's like okay, no shit, and then it was just like. That's but then, it. like, like clunky dialogue. Allison takes off, you know, on the road. She hits the road, right? It's like a John Hughes film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, it's like the end of like Cruel Intentions, like Reese Witherspoon driving off into the sunset. Like, yeah, she takes off. Yeah, leaving it behind. But honestly, honestly, I don't understand why both Lori and Allison don't leave. Lori should want to leave too. There's no reason for her to like, want to stay in this fucking Haddonfield place. Haddonfield is a brand new place now. No, you spend my life with Frank Hawkins. Just fucking move somewhere else. You know how many problems yeah. would be solved? Yeah, literally. Go spread your terror to another town, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take it to New York City, like all the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, AHS, NYC. All right. <laughs> Um, so you want to hear my final thoughts on this? Hold on, I want to talk about the. I thought it was oh. very poetic. At the end, when she's writing the last lines of her memoir, when she says, "Oh yes, evil doesn't die; it changes shape." I was like, "Oh, clever!" Oh my god, because he's clever called girl. the shape, tying it all back to the fact that we don't even know if this is Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was clever and poetic, and yeah, now Lori just wants to spend her life with Officer Frank, looking at cherry blossoms. Great. Sounds like a Q, thrilling life. You don't fear the reaper. Yeah. Yeah. Seasons don't fear the reaper. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> my final thoughts are that this is obviously a very polarizing film, but I think the concept is great. The story is really intriguing, but its execution isn't the best because they had to tailor the storytelling to include Lori and Michael in the Halloween story. And again, I think we answered the question here. Did the movie derail this Halloween universe or did plugging a story into the franchise ruin the potential of this movie? I think that this movie had potential potential beyond the Halloween franchise. So the answer is both. Because <laughs> this movie is kind of a mess. Um, the weak execution comes from the writing and the direction. Of like course. It all feels a little bit messy, honestly. Do you remember that one this- scene where she's like, where Lori's like, um, she's like, you need to stare fear and... and- show your tits and she like throws the pumpkin guts on the ground there's so many weird yeah, remember that moment that was corny yeah, yes like, there's so many weird directing Messy. moments in this but you know this production was rushed and that's probably why and also I don't feel like anybody like when I seen set photos while it was filming I was like it doesn't look like anyone's taking this seriously <laughs> <laughs> they probably aren't uh, you know, I don't know. But many people are saying that this is the worst Halloween movie ever. Like, I get it. It's not what the fans are expecting. It's not what I ex- wanted or expected. Um, it, it to- yeah. But it toned down the killing machine villain, right? But it's like, be fucking for real. Like, it's I don't know. It's not the worst. Halloween ends being this universe's undoing or derailment isn't saying much. Because at the end of the day, this movie is far better than its disappointing predecessors, right, which but- are... The Halloween 3, Curse of Michael Myers, Resurrection, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. This franchise has always had a rocky path. Like, these movies aren't all great. 
like in general like really we are no we really only celebrate the first movie as being actually great so it is crazy to exactly me that here we are on halloween ends 12 whatever movies later and people are still surprised that they're not very good and it's like i get it like you didn't like michael's portrayal and his dissolved mystique but I don't know. It does not make it the worst movie in the franchise because, yes, like you said, Jake, we are talking Halloween. So no matter how much you love Halloween this and that or the other because it's the first one you saw in theaters or it holds a special place in your heart. It makes you feel nostalgic. Like, personal feelings aside, um, almost all of the sequels are inconsistent cash grab garbage. Yes, exactly. I think the cinematography is great. And again, the story had potential. They took a risk and it didn't exactly pay off. But I appreciate the development of the story and the characters. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel I I think this film is very generous. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I told my coworker today because she's never seen any of the Halloween movies. And I said, you know what? Honestly, just watch Halloween, Halloween 2018 and Halloween ends. Boom. Perfect trilogy. Just doesn't feel like it didn't feel like the perfect bookend to this particular story we we're telling. But when you look back on it and you think mm-hmm. of what they were trying to say with this entire series, what Jamie Lee Curtis obviously really wanted to, you know, pound into our heads that, you know, trauma is very real and that it can affect more than just one person. It can be right. like a disease that affects an entire community. So when you think of it like that, I don't think it's that bad. But I mean, I understand I understand where people are divided on this because it is a mess. It has a lot. There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of what did this mean? What did that have to do with anything? But like (laughs) you said, like it is not the worst in the franchise. No, it doesn't exactly stick the landing, but I think that there are definitely worse. And I honestly have, there's several parts of this movie that have me very entertained. So yeah, what are you going to rate it? I'm going to rate this. This might be generous, but I'm going to rate it a three out of five. I am too. Very generous. This movie was generous in its storytelling. Okay. And so I'm going to be generous with my score. Yeah. Three out of five. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, I think that really concludes our time with the Halloween franchise. Yes. And just so everybody knows, I'm on Letterboxd, FTTQ Frankie, and I actually ranked the entire Halloween franchise, and I actually put this as number six out of the 13 films. Yeah. I think there are definitely ones that don't measure up. So, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so that is Halloween Ends. Remember, friends out there, it's just a movie. There's no point in making anybody feel stupid for what they like unless it's Friday the 13th. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see kidding. them do. Take a stab at it. Yeah. No. Um, just, yeah. Remember, hey, you know what? We all love this franchise for whatever reason. And if you like it, you like it. Let them like it. If they don't like it, let them not like it. Yeah. It's no matter good. which side of the fence you're on. Follow us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, definitely go check out our Instagram. Um, we are at Fear the Talking Queers, where you can see all the amazing things. Soundtrack Sunday. You can see our hotties post. Um, who, who are we going to pick for hotties? Uh, quizzes with? every Thursday in our story. Yeah. Oh, our hotties in this. I, I Let's say Andy Matichak and um, um, Connor Campbell. <laughs> Whatever oh, yeah, Rohan Campbell. Rohan Campbell. Yeah, yeah. What a cute little mad cute. couple. Yeah, I love the Halloween's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, exactly. They're the Bonnie and Clyde that she was pretending to be in the first two. Now she's become. 
Oh, it's uh, a reference. Wouldn't that have been it's cool? It's a reference. What if Allison had started killing people? That would have been awesome. <laughs> Why not? The next Halloween franchise is that Allison in her like, leaves her loft in Denver, Colorado to yeah. go on a killing spree in a nearby town that you really looks like Haddonfield. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. It's going to be a big hit. Um, also, uh, hey, head over to Apple Podcasts where you can give us a review. Um, we love to hear what you uh, like and love about the show. And, yeah, give um, us some feedback. Yeah. And if you're listening on Spotify, rate us five stars, ho. Yes, 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 yes. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you had a, an amazing Halloween um, yes. and, you know, spooky season is over and um, let's get on to the rest of the holiday season yes let's get some more new blood with some of the newest releases of 2022 here on Fear the Talking Queer yes but until next time sweet screams bitch bye